number two pencils. Known for being common. Famous for being erasable. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why number two pencils are secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone because I'm joined by the wonderful Dana Gould. Dana Gould is an amazing television writer. His credits include The Simpsons and Parks and Recreation and his own show Stan Against Evil. He's also an amazing stand-up comedian. His most recent album is called Mr. Funny Man, available from the Kill Rockstars label. And I want to make sure you know about an amazing YouTube show he has been making. It is called Hanging with Dr. Z. Dr. Z, in this case, is Dr. Zaius from Planet of the Apes. But this is a world where Dr. Zaius hosts a, like, 1970s-style late-night show. It's, it's one of many show links. I extra, extra recommend it. It is a blast. It's got a band. It's got legitimately huge guests. The advertisements are maybe my favorite part. Anyway, as you can hear, Dana is busy. I am so glad he came by this show to talk about number two pencils. One extra note here. The other note is that this episode sounds good. All the audio totally works. It's all pleasant to listen to. The audio will switch to Zoom, internet, phone call audio. It's not a problem. It's a good podcast. You'll enjoy it. I I just find some people like to get a heads up. So here is that heads up. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Dana recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino Ortongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about number two pencils. This is the top patron chosen topic for July, the, the top pick from you folks. Thank you to Jesse Eldridge and also to Norm from Cheers for the suggestion. And I'm thrilled we got so specific. We made it a number two pencil, which you also may know as HB in your country. We'll talk more about that later. Anyway, there's an amazing show in just this one pencil type, plus all the pencil history that led up to it. So please sit back or take a walk to the pencil sharpener, because that is the main way you get to choose to stretch your legs during grade school. Even even if you go to the bathroom, it's, it's like weird if you go too often, you know, pencil sharpener is normal. Anyway, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with the great Dana Gould. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Dana Gould, it is so good to see you and talk to you. And and if, if you don't mind, like normally I start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. Before that, I have like a family history question for you. If that's not weird, I, do you? Do this you have podcast any, is like, over. <laughs> right. <laughs> destroy the tapes. Destroy the tapes. Um, 
But I, I was curious I if never. you have any relatives or ancestors who were involved in the pencil sharpener business, any Goulds who were doing that. I don't. Uh, nothing comes to mind. It sounds very, uh, it sounds a little too high minded for my branch of the family. Cool. <laughs> My branch of the family is uh, uh, prison guards, policemen, and telephone company linemen. <laughs> okay. So before the, before before those were needed, it was probably we need a guy to lift this. That was that was who they would call. <laughs> <laughs> that I've I've heard some of that about mine as well. Uh, yeah, and because I, I was researching, and there's one of the early American pencil sharpener companies was Gould and Cook in Lemonster, Massachusetts. You know what? It's worth looking into. It's worth yeah. looking into because I am from Massachusetts. <laughs> and I was like, maybe Charles Gould of these sharpeners, but who knows? That's now that's just a thing. My for grandfather. You to wonder yeah. about. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I've often described my family, my, my dad specifically as Archie Bunker without the elegance and sophistication. Um, and my, <laughs> and my, my brothers followed suit, but purportedly my grandfather, my dad's dad, who I didn't really know, uh, I uh, I murdered him when I was very young. No, I, was, <laughs> was, I, I, I have to. That's, this joke is stolen from my friend Bill Broadus. <laughs> it was just too good to not. My friend Bill Broadus, the true killer. Yeah. He must be brought to justice. My my friend Bill Broadus had a great joke. Was, uh, I don't remember my mother. I was very young when I killed her. <laughs> but uh, but my but suppose, supposedly my grandfather was a very sort of sharp-witted elegant kind of dude so who knows there might be there might be pencil sharpening money back in there well amazing i i feel like i've left you with a mystery i'm sorry uh but but beyond that i generally number two pencils it seems like you know as a professional writer you were connected to them you showed me a bundle of them right yes and as a yeah as a as i was connected to them as a professional writer as as a as a parent my house is full of them and and as as a public school as a as a public school student before the before computers, I had tons. Oh yeah. I think the first thing I thought of, I thought of the Enterprise from Star Trek because oh. if I am doodling with a number two pencil, I always and this goes back to third grade, fourth grade, I will draw a horizontal line and then I will hatch it down and do the saucer part of the enterprise and then do the back of the enterprise and it's it's almost like an automatic reflex now i don't even think about it like that's what i doodle oh that's great yeah i are you a big doodler because i'm i'm not but i can draw the enterprise you know i'm 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 not but if i do yeah i i will just i just draw the enterprise because i assume that the ladies dig it you know it's like if a lady (laughs) the chick sees a doodle pad full of star trek ships they're like this one the raw magnetism of it, right? How do they <laughs> the, bo- the Bondian allure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They know where their bread's buttered. Yeah. <laughs> well, and since since you mentioned school before computers, they they had added some computers when I was in grade school, and we were still like drowning in number two pencils. It was still. It's sure. just. I think it's the automatic go to. In at least American schools, maybe all schools, like it's it's this specific model. It's like, oh, if you don't have one of those, you're not functional. You can't even write. Yeah. Well, you needed them also for your, and, and you needed them also for SATs to do the little. Yeah. 
uh, oval to fill in your ovals. Right, your whole future suddenly rides on it. Like you got the right kind, right? It really does. Oh boy, it really does. <laughs> yeah, I was always afraid that I was doing the right answer in the wrong line, and then oh. I would get a zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were such a crisis. All those tests. We uh, just why? Why do we have to do that so early? But we did. Awful. Yeah, I know. I'm going. I'm yeah. going through it with with my kids right now, and they just oh yeah. And I, I try to explain to them it's it's okay. It's it's not as important as it sounds. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. In the, in the year of COVID, I have a I have an 18 year old, a 17 year old, and a 12 year old. And you know, and in my 18 year old is like a uh, a person now, <laughs> you know, she's, oh. she's starting, she's starting college in the fall. She's, she's incredibly bright. She's going to Berkeley as uh, a, a microbiology environmental ecology major. So it's like, well, you'll work, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, she's basically going to study arresting climate crisis. Like she's going to school to yell at you for using plastic bags. Um <laughs> But she's but for the summer just to have a job, she's driving DoorDash, oh. which is like right. And um, huh. I will I will often go with her, just because it's she's so funny and she'll literally like ugh, what's this? She it's a sad meal. I wish, like, <laughs> you know, it's like what's this? It was like a salad and fries from Wendy's to a woman alone in an apartment. <laughs> oh man, right? Yeah, like, oh yeah, that is a sad meal. <laughs> yeah it's like having a police scanner for food like that's oh exactly this happened wow that's exactly right <laughs> we had to deliver a waffle cone to somebody and it was like getting the holy grail <laughs> so we go to hollywood boulevard we go to the kodak center we find the cold stone creamery we go we get a waffle cone then we have to dr- drive it to west hollywood through through town tiktok because oh, it's ice tick because it's ice cream so TikTok, right. my friend, it's, you know, and then we get the <laughs> Bernie sticker on the door, but no tip. Man. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, if, if you're one of the listeners, you're one of the good ones. But but I, I can't imagine ordering ice cream through through a delivery service like that. If right? you can't if you can't afford to tip, go get your own ice cream because, you know, it's yeah. cheaper. A gallon of ice cream from the store. <laughs> right. And nobody has to feel like they're in the movie Speed, where they have to like beat a a, a, a system to get it to you. Terrible. Uh, get a gallon of Seal Test, and you can eat for a week. <laughs> is is Seal Test low? Was that Massachusetts or is that national? Oh, I don't know what Seal Test is. It was it was the ice cream in Massachusetts, and oh. I realize now what a horrible name, Seal Test. Yeah, like, we want to we want to evoke animal testing. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the delicious taste of ice cream. <laughs> well, and uh, and I think from here we can get into the the first chunk of the the information about pencils because sure. the sure. Uh, on every episode a nation I, waits. <laughs> no, no. On, the, on every episode, our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. And this week, that's in a segment called. They come numbering just as fast as they can. Because every girl crazy about a stats-obsessed man. <laughs> and uh, that name was submitted by Mike Brazil. And we have a new name for this every week. Please make them as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to SipPod on Twitter or to SipPod at gmail.com. And there's a big number section this week. We got a lot of them. 
First number here is 7.5 inches, and that is the typical length of a number two pencil. 7.5 inches. Uh, the last three quarters is the eraser and the ferrule, which is the metal piece that holds it. But that's the size before we start sharpening them and so on. 7.5 inches. Yeah. It's just kind of where they're at. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder how they settled on that. It, feel, it feels kind of random. There's also, I, I they don't happen nowadays because pencils are so cheap and plentiful, but there used to be things called pencil extenders, which is where you've sharpened your pencil down so it's hard to hold now because it's so short. Like a, like a cigarette case almost, like a cigarette holder? Yeah, it's like that, yeah. So that used to be for like prolonging the life of super valuable pencils was a pencil extender. Wow. Weird different time. Yeah. You'd see hobo, like hobos going through the cr- trash for a pencil stub right. <laughs> to write their hobo memoir. <laughs> to write like Apple's five cents on something because it's the depression. And uh... Here's a topic for a future show. Oh, yeah. Hobo code. Hobo code. I... Hobos would have codes for like, this house will give you money, this house will feed you, this house will... That, I heard about it through John Hodgman, but I didn't know if he was kidding or not. I didn't know if it was real. No, he's... One, the fact that you heard about it through John Hodgman is the least surprising thing I've ever heard. And no, it's true. It's true. Oh, that's awesome. Great. I, I'm glad. <laughs> I read about so many codes. I, I was like, I hope this is real because it's going in my brain. Here we go. And, uh... Yeah, that's great. Yeah, hobo code is fascinating. <laughs> we had a thing at this at the Simpsons. We were fascinated uh, by hobos, and okay. uh, we had a thing that uh, the great George Meyer uh, uh, set up as a rule that when you put hobo into a script, you had to follow it with the with the parenthetical with Bindle. <laughs> that was that was mandatory uh mandatory and one day we just had a, a hobo walks into the room and george went very guys uh um i don't know what uh f and planet you guys are from but i'm looking at the script and i see a hobo and i have no idea if he has a bindle or not <laughs> and and then one day <laughs> I, I walked into, you know, you, the, the, we're all writing and the script is on a big monitor in the room. And I, wa- I walked into the room and I looked at the monitor and it said hobo as a dialogue slug. And then below it in parenthetical, it said all business. <laughs> <laughs> I just collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> man just, and that's yeah. secret like it's no one watching the show knows it's just on the page for just for us for you yeah. folks yeah, yeah just for us yeah. <laughs> hobo all business <laughs> all business <laughs> yeah it's just that destroyed me no that time for a bindle yeah <laughs> no look we have business. let's just get to this it's amazing well the, the next number here is 21 and it turns out that 21 is the number of different grades of pencil, because number two is a grade. And in the U.S., we only really have one, two, three, and four. But in the rest of the world, they have 21 grades. Uh, and the number two pencil wow. lines up with HB in most of the rest of the world. So if you ever see HB on a, a number two pencil, that's like an international version of that. Right. Yeah. We our 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 numerical pencil grading system is like a refusal refusal to go metric. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, so that's just like going on with the grades of these. And HB is right in the middle of the world scale, and that means that it's a medium amount of hardness uh, and a medium amount of darkness. Okay, yeah. So it's, what... it's, it's kind of a happy medium Goldilocks pencil. Because a number three pencil is harder than a number two pencil. So a number one pencil must be like oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> the lead actually drips out of the pencil slowly <laughs> in a string. It's a... <laughs> Right. You have to deliver it in your car really quickly or it melts. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <you> know. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like, yeah. It's the DoorDash ice cream of pencils. <laughs> Yeah, and and we're kidding, and that's accurate. We'll have links about it. It's all it's all very technical and kind of visual, so we'll link about it. But but yeah, sure. these pencils vary in their hardness and their darkness, and you know, number two seems to work. It's not it's not one that right. that people are like, this is terrible. I need something mm-hmm. else. That tracks. Uh, and the next number here is nineteen seventy two. That is the year that Scantron technology was invented. And according to EdTech magazine, there had been technology to score multiple choice tests since the 1930s. Okay. Uh, but Scantron was the first like widely used system. And uh, and according to Mental Floss, the way Scantron tech works is something called optical mark recognition. So it shined a beam of light through the paper, and then whatever bubbles blocked the light, that's what it recorded. Oh. Uh, so that's part of why they wanted uh, to like know exactly what pencil you were going to do, so they would know what shadow you would get. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. And that's why it was like, fill in your oval completely. Yeah, because that could, apparently they're more advanced now and they can do double-sided now. But back then it was like, the light has to hit this exactly, like get the right pencil to it, right? Right. And yeah, an an incomplete oval could end your career. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Every Ivy League school's president will come by and tell you that you have failed. And, you know. That was crushing. One of the 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 main elements of the the stop the steal paranoia is incomplete ovals. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what they're doing down in Arizona. Is scanning for incomplete ovals. <laughs> Out of of their theories, that's got to be the most charming, most positive one, right? Like that that's got yeah. that's that's almost hanging chads, which kind of happened. I, yeah, you know? that's fine. Right. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for a team of psychics was dispatched today. To the- Right. I always like the the idea of a team of psychics. Like they're all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do their do their brains like stack or something? I, like is it is it that they, they all have to touch foreheads and it's more powerful? I don't get it. Yeah. It can't be. It can't be a very chatty ba- van ride. You know. It's like. They all... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, just occasionally somebody will turn and go. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Well, just a couple more numbers here. One of them is 1890. 1890 is the first year when a major brand sold yellow pencils. Because yeah, number two pencils, it's not like a rule, but they tend to be painted yellow. And there's an amazing book that's a source for a whole bunch of this episode by Henry Petrosky. It's called The Pencil, A History of Design and Circumstance. And Henry Petrosky is a professor of both engineering and history at Duke University. Oh, yeah. So this was so in his wheelhouse. It was insane. Yeah, he wrote it's I've read it's an amazing like 350 page book about pencils. It's so good. Um, Yeah, but but I bet it is because they are one of those things like, oh, yeah, we did need these. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he, he says that there were yellow pencils before this, but a company called the L.C. Hartmuth Company in Austria rolled out a pencil called the Koei Noor. And it's named after the Koei Noor diamond that's part of the British crown jewels. Right. Yeah. And so they wanted to like emphasize that it's special and 
before 1890, most pencils were a dark color like black or dark red or purple. And so they made it bright yellow. It was a huge hit. And then other companies copied them from there. So, yeah, like their first big sales event was the 1893 exposition in Chicago, like the World's Fair sort of event there. Like this is a turn of the century development that they're yellow. Yeah, but I I do like that, that it, it just went and feel like, yeah, okay, yes, pencil should be yellow. And it was yeah. just like the sort of uh, hundred, hundredth monkey realization. Like, nope, okay, we got it. Right, yeah, it's just like, oh, this is suddenly what they are now, permanently. Great. We had to make all these decisions. It was like, at one point, we're like, we're going to get our milk from cows. And like, you know, not dogs. <laughs> it's like, they all make milk. <laughs> also, and in a few other countries, it's not common to have yellow pencils. And it's common to have a green pencil in Germany or Brazil. Really? Uh, And to have a red pencil in Australia. They just, for some reason, didn't get on board with the rest of us with the yellow pencil. So I'm assuming it went from, green pencils went from Germany to Brazil with the Nazi high command when they fled after World War II. That's exactly what I thought. Brings the pencils. (laughs) We'll blow their mind if there's a green pencil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's like breadcrumbs for the investigators, too. They should have switched, right? Like, why not assimilate all the way, you know? Yeah, very clumsy. <laughs> when the the last number here, this is one hundred thousand three hundred and eighty eight. So slightly over a hundred thousand, one hundred thousand three hundred eighty eight. So that is that is the word count of the book To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, and that book got used as an experiment for how long a number two pencil lasts. Someone transcribed the book to test how many words they could write with a number two pencil. And that was, and they got down to the end of the book and they were at the end of the pencil. Yeah. They, and, and apparently they were sparked by an issue of discover magazine in 2007 that had a factoid that said uh, one number two pencil can write 45,000 words. But according to NPR, this had never been tested. And so a guy in Pennsylvania tested it. Uh, NPR also I, says I'm, I'm hoping he was either in prison or somehow housebound. Like he was like <laughs> he was just surrounded by kids going, "Dad, we're hungry." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and do it. Important work. Well, the other so NPR talked to him, and the other thing he said is that he recruited volunteers to help him initially, and then everybody quit. So it was just him at the end, <laughs> which is not I don't surprising. Blame him, yeah. Yeah, or he tried, you know, he had a room full of monkeys also doing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of pencils. <laughs> but he says, and I assume they passed it around, they used one Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil. They transcribed the entire book, over 100,000 words, and then still had 1.219 inches of pencil left. That's a lot of pencils still. Yeah, that's an actual thing. Over an inch. It's not like yeah, a, can... a total nub or something. Grip yeah. by that. Wow. But yeah, so this guy found out if you use one number two pencil and are, I guess, careful, you can write more than 100,000 words or or write, you wow. know, an entire copy of To Kill a Mockingbird. Did anyone tell him, you know, you can buy a copy down <laughs> at the store? <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a really funny story about Stephen King wrote oh. the book Under the Dome, big book of his about a city that wakes up one day to find that it's under a dome and they don't know why. Hmm. And uh, when he, he finished the book, like his daughter or somebody said like, oh, it's just like the Simpsons movie. And he went, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> really? 
Yes. He wrote that so after the Simpsons movie? <laughs> yes, and he wasn't aware of the Simpsons movie. <laughs> and he was like, what? Because <laughs> I've heard of that book. I truly assumed it was the other way around. Like, no, I thought. It wasn't. <laughs> okay. Or I'm sure they're probably concurrent because it's too big of a book, but I, I think that, like, had the idea at the same time. Wow. And, uh, he was very funny about I mean, we had him on the show. He's a delightful person, and uh, cool. he was very funny about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Simpsons movie was 2007, and Under the Dome was 2009. It's, this is the yeah. I, I'm not a King fan. I thought it was just the other way around. This is amazing. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. He was very funny about it. He was like, and he was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, like his new book is Frostilicus or something, you know, like some, like come on, man, yeah, don't lard lad, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, off of that, we're going to a short break, followed by the big takeaways. See you in a sec. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Well, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. But there are there are two main takeaways <laughs> for the main episode, and I think we can get into them. Uh, the first one <laughs> is takeaway number one. A number two pencil's quote-unquote lead is actually carbon and clay mixed together. Really? I thought it was graphite. Yeah, and graphite's a form of carbon, so that's one of the things. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. I still get the point. I still get the point. It's true, yeah. <laughs> You'll be in the bonus round and everything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a bunch of sources here. That Henry Petrosky book, also a book called Paper by journalist Mark Kurlansky. So we have pencil and paper. Uh, and then oh, okay. The Atlantic and Mental Floss as well. Yeah, people call that stuff that writes in a pencil, pencil lead. That, that's what I'm kind of always heard it called but it is right yeah exactly uh, it is graphite and atlantic says the atlantic says graphite is the stablest form of the element carbon so carbon and lead separate elements very different um mm -hmm. and the atlantic also covered a team at stanford that did an experiment in 2014 where they tested whether you could turn graphite into a diamond 
And their analysis suggests you can. Because it is carbon. You just have to do the most pressure of any kind of carbon to turn, you know, the equivalent of pencil lead into a diamond. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so you can make a ring out there, folks. It'd be a great, it'd be a great smuggling, a great smuggling tool. Oh, to smuggle eventual diamonds, like you sneak them yeah. through that way. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah, just like <laughs> a, a, like a caravan of tanker trucks full of pencils. Right. <laughs> well, and it turns out there are two main reasons we got that name, pencil lead, for it. And this book paper by Mark Karlansky is a really good source. One of the reasons is that there were a few very ancient Romans who used lead like a pencil. They would sometimes write on papyrus using a metallic piece of lead. And so so just the whole thing is a piece of lead, and that's called a lead pencil. And we also got the name pencil from the Romans. They had the Latin word penicillum for a writing brush. So then it came from there. Oh, it's weird that we didn't get penicillin from that, but we did get <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought. It sounds exactly like yeah. penicillin. But nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> but, uh, and then the other reason is the first graphite mining happened in the 1500s, and people just didn't know enough chemistry. They assumed it was some weird kind of lead that they'd never seen. Oh, okay. The the first big discovery was in Britain, and Mark Kurlansky says, quote, A large oak tree was uprooted in Cumberland, and an odd black mineral was discovered clinging to its roots. This led to the dinging of England's first graphite mine and the development of the pencil, end quote. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so 1565, they found the first... And now, And now that we have better ways to get graphite, it's not a problem, but there used to be a huge like push to find graphite. Like it was like finding a super valuable natural resource in the ground. Like gold, uh, like gold or minerals or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we won't, we won't get way into it, but Henry Petrosky's book has a story about a guy looking for gold in Siberia who accidentally found the largest graphite load ever found and then made a fortune selling it and was like a graphite baron for a while. That's hilarious. Cause you know, like there's, Graphite! Graphite! Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and the, that uh, British discovery in 1565, according to Mental Floss, quote, early chemists weren't exactly sure what the useful gray substance actually was. They assumed it was some sort of lead, and the term pencil lead came into use, end quote. All right. So they just messed up. It worked. <laughs> yeah, and so graphite is... This, this resource that now is, it feels very plentiful because of modern production, but also because now, unlike the first graphite pencils, now we mix it with clay. And clay is a substance that like stretches out the graphite we have, right? And then also it still draws a line. It's like cutting cocaine with baby formula. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, suddenly, we're, suddenly we're the villains in a Miami Vice episode. <laughs> What if, like, what if the people at Ticonderoga or whoever, it's a bunch of very normal pencil makers, and then one weird guy with razor blades? It's like, you don't need to have this aspect, man. We could yeah. just do but the process. There's the, yeah. there's the Tony Montana of pencil. <laughs> well, why don't you try my pencils, man? You're not going to go with their pencils. <laughs> the, first, the first box is free. <laughs> <laughs> I pedal them at playgrounds. <laughs> like the scar is drawn in pencil and then you can just erase it if you like it's fine actually. It's just flip it around and 
dig it. It right it writes itself. Yeah. It writes itself. <laughs> But yeah, and the the mixing with clay is where we really got these grades of pencil and this pencil scale because when you're using graphite, you just kind of get a kind of line. But once you're specifically measuring clay to balance it out and to change the composition, uh, then you get grades. And that's how the number two pencil was created. That's how we got it. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And that number three is harder because it has more clay. And it's all just how much clay you put into graphite. Uh, but I never think of it as having clay. It just looks black. Like it just looks like it has graphite right. and that's it. Interesting. Interesting. And the other, the other main takeaway of the episode, we can get into it because it's, it's how this happened. Takeaway number two. The modern number two pencil came from Napoleonic France and from Henry David Thoreau. Really? Yeah, there's two people to know about here, and one of them is the very famous Massachusetts writer, Henry David Thoreau. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other is a French guy that I think nobody's ever heard of, but he's from Napoleonic times in France. Wow. Uh, how did Thoreau figure into this? It turns out we'll we'll kind of get to him because he's second, but he, he comes from a family of pencil makers. Like he was born into the pencil business in Massachusetts there. Wow. And I... Just figured he was a writer. Uh, I, I didn't know how yeah. he got to that cabin and everything. Hanging was... out, hanging on the woods. Here he comes. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> I like. They can't see your cat, so it sounds like Thoreau came and went, which is great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the first person here is a Frenchman named Nicolas Jacques Conté, and he lived from 1755 to 1805. He, before the French Revolution, was a painter, and then once the revolution happened, he said, now I'm a scientist. I'm going to, like, come up with stuff that helps Republican France. I love the Republic. Like, a painter will get drafted, but a scientist, I think. I'm a a painter. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm I'm whatever job's important and not on the front lines. That's what I am. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) I faked his, I faked insanity to get out of the Kiss Army, you know. As the <laughs> but that's the number one thing they want, man. Big mistake. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. I was a fool. <laughs> I did a, t- I did my hitch. <laughs> yeah, was it was it scary being on the last helicopter out of Detroit, or was that a, a normal? situation for you people clinging to the skid i don't want to listen to new wave it's too late (laughs) the cars and blondie are at the gates right (laughs) that would be a great cartoon actually (laughs) yeah we should get some pencils ah ah there we go look at that hey wow (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing (laughs) well uh weirdly speaking of aviation so this guy when he became a scientist conte his first move was to get into hot air ballooning he was like i will figure out how hot air balloons can be part of napoleon's army and help him win battles and aerial scout and stuff and that ended up being hard because he lost an eye in a hydrogen explosion and uh in most pictures of him he has an eye patch and so, so it was pretty wild Right. But also in the meantime, he was like any other science experiment you want done. I'll just I'll just try to figure it out. French government ended up asking him to try to figure out a way to invent a pencil that didn't need very much graphite. 
because in 1793, Britain and France go to war. British Navy blockades France. They can't get British graphite or other good graphite. And so the government is running out of pencils and <laughs> running out of okay, material. Right, to yeah, do it. you're sure. Oh, funny. Yeah. Because uh, at this time, graphite is, you know, gold, oil. It's something. It's a, it's a commodity. Unique. It's a commodity. And so, uh, according to Henry Petrosky, the French Minister of War asked Conte to find another way to generate good pencils. And within a few days, he figured out that you could mix graphite with clay and then shape that into a shaft, bake it, and put it between pieces of wood to make a pencil. And from there, that like this is the person who figured out that graphite clay mix and, and eventually the number two pencil. So are the pe- that that's amazing. Yeah. Are pencils... Are, pe- are modern pencils in two halves? Yeah, it's a subtly glued together two pieces of wood around a piece of graphite and clay. And or, the yeah, paint kind of hides assumed, it. Yeah. yeah, I just assumed it was like drilled and inserted. Yeah, I thought they were yeah. sticking it in there. But but no, it's yeah. like it's too... I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, apparently since uh, like the the mid to late 1800s, they've worked out this system of two machined pieces of wood and boop, just sandwich the graphite. There's going to be yeah, and so there's there's going to be a specific kind of glue. Yeah, glue that is that it really doesn't that really bonds like you don't even know it's glued. So there's a crazy bonding glue. Yeah, it's really tightly engineered. It's really somebody invented pencil glue, and they're just kicking back. And I don't know who actually. Yeah. That's a cool the thing. cat, the cat that walked by the computer, yeah, uh, had uh, last month had a a, a, a year of crystals in his urine that was causing him great distress. Sure, yeah. Uh, so we they gave this pill that loosened his urethra to make it less painful for him to go to the bathroom. Somebody had to invent that. <laughs> <laughs> and someone out there is just kicking back, spending all that loose cat pee hole money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and I bought a statue of my achievement. And everybody's like, that's a gross statue. I don't want to No, I'm going to avert my eyes on the way yeah, exactly. in up the big driveway. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> like, did he, did he like wake up and go, I've got it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why were you thinking about that? Right. <laughs> yeah, there's some pencil glue genius. I don't actually know who did that. They did great. Amazing. Yeah. But and then so Conte comes up with this and suddenly pencils are easier to make. The raw materials are cheaper. Pencils are like democratized. Uh, you know, everybody can get one cheaply. And then from there, you know, various pencil manufacturers try to keep up with this and try to do uh, endlessly better versions of it. And one of the first to do it was John Thoreau, who was a pencil maker in Massachusetts and had a pencil making facility. Oh, okay. And then his son, Henry David, came and wow. like worked in the family business for many years and and spent like a lot of time. He also spent time teaching and stuff like that, but... Apparently in 1841, uh, John Thoreau Jr. dies, and so Henry David's brother, John's John's son, Henry David, in grief, is like, I'm closing the school. I'm just going to come work in the family business for a while. 
and does a lot to like innovate their systems and especially start selling their pencils on a graded system of one through four. And according to Henry Petrosky, he did such a good job that, quote, there is little doubt that before Henry David Thoreau was the literary celebrity he has come to be, the pencils he and his father made came to be without peer in this country, end quote. And so Thoreau pencils were like the top pencil in the U.S. in the 1840s. And since they used a one through four scale, we had that scale. And number two was the, the popular one, the middle one. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah. And he, he like did that, stopped working there in 1845 and went straight to the woods and built his cabin at Walden Pond and wrote Walden. Like it, it was it was the next thing he did uh, after pencils was Walden. <laughs> or his time there and then the book but yeah 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 his cabin in his cabin he just saw as being made of giant pencils oh <laughs> i'm gonna have to save these pencils for when the giants come i'll i'll disguise them as a cabin <laughs> yeah like how's the cabin going i need a lot of clay clay and graphite <laughs> yeah okay I'll, I'll pretend i'm writing a book that will excuse my time his whole thing was he was he was sure giants were coming <laughs> pencil needing giants yeah <laughs> amazing but yeah yeah he henry david thoreau is one of the main pencil people in the history of them especially in the u.s and and uh, specifically getting the kind of pencil that we all use like i i don't like i'm not a visual artist i don't think i've ever owned a pencil that wasn't a number two pencil I think that's just what I had. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you get a three. You're like, God, what is... <laughs> you oh. get a, it's too hard. Like, what? What is wrong with this thing? <laughs> it must feel really weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wish like I was dead. What is wrong with it? <laughs> At some point, the, the, the crayon people showed up like Visigoths at the gate. <laughs> <laughs> it was like crayon crayons showed up like the advent of psychedelia like what what is happening <laughs> <laughs> the pencil people dealt with the crayon people the same way lawrence welk looked at the strawberry alarm clock like what are you <laughs> the crayons come in incense and peppermints <laughs> <laughs> like they make the pencil guy say sock it to me against their will <laughs> sock it to me <laughs> episode for this week my thanks to dana gould for diving so deep on something that might seem pointless to some people anyway i said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now if you support this show on patreon.com Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is strange pencils used by famous people of the 20th century. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than four dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring number two pencils with us. Here is one more run through the big takeaways. 
Takeaway number one, a number two pencil's quote-unquote lead is actually carbon and clay mixed together. And takeaway number two, the modern number two pencil came from Napoleonic France and Henry David Thoreau. Plus tons of numbers and stats stuff in this one about everything from Scantron sheets to the potential lifespan of your number two pencil. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guest. He's great. Dana Gould, incredible television writer, incredible stand-up comedian. Beyond links to that, we will have a link to his podcast, The Dana Gould Hour. It is full of comedy and interviews and new fun all the time. Also, I want to point you to an amazing internet show called Hanging with Dr. Z. Hanging with Dr. Z is probably my favorite YouTube show right now of, of any of them. It's just that fun and funny, and the guests are incredible, and, and there's nothing like it. Please check that out. The show links are your friend. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. The key source of this episode is a book called The Pencil, A History of Design and Circumstance. That is a book by Henry Petrosky. Dr. Petrosky is a professor of both engineering and history at Duke University. Go Blue Devils. Also, that incredible book was written in 1990, so obviously I went way beyond that. There's another great book we leaned on called Paper by Mark Kurlansky, and then a bunch of great pieces from Mental Floss, The Atlantic, NPR, The Washington Post, and more. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken, Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I am thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. <laughs>